Welcome to Rental Equip Talk Radio with your host, Donald Charbonnet. This is the radio program designed for industry insiders, as well as anyone interested in getting into the rental equipment industry. Now, here is Donald Charbonnet. Good morning. How y'all doing today? I'm your host, Donald Charbonnet, broadcasting live from New Orleans. Today's show is sponsored by WGL Consulting, the go-to company for buying and selling companies. The company is headed by the industry's leading legal mind, James Waite. I, too, am an associate. We can be reached at James at WGL Consulting or me, Donald, at WGLConsulting.com. I hope everyone had a safe Thanksgiving. Crazy weather. Hope you all made it home safely. A big thank you to all my faithful followers, including the 12 countries that we reached last week. Tell your friends and associates. I hope you enjoyed last week's show about customer stratification. It's a very interesting concept. Uh, go back and listen to the podcast if you miss it. And here's a few of the lessons learned during my career in the rental industry. Number one, stay loyal to those you feel are loyalty to. Number two, be fair with people and they'll work their tails off for and with you. And three, Sometimes your past can become your future. These and other lessons learned can be found in my book available on Amazon entitled Screw You, The Comeback is Always Stronger Than the Setback. Come take the ride. As I, like many of you, thought I was set for life in the rental business, you'll find horrific accidents, drugs, death, lawsuits, setbacks, and comebacks, and that's just the beginning of it all. Again, on Amazon.com. I know it's a crazy title, but you'll have to read it to believe it. And it also might make a great holiday gift for an (laughs) ex-boss. Be sure to send it anonymously. And remember, you can always listen on demand after the show. Let me know if there's a certain guest or subject you'd like to have, and I'll do my best to get them. As always, the email address is rentalequiptalkradio at gmail.com, or you can call or text me at 504 615 0540. Remember, the ARA show is right around the corner in February. Not too early to start that shopping list. Now, I was sorry to read about the pending layoffs of some 2,000 employees at Cummins. I never like hearing this, but it seems to be becoming more prevalent these days. And even though they're not sure which positions will be eliminated, it could be a great opportunity to pick up some personnel with mechanical aptitude for your rental operations, as we continue to hear about the tech shortage. So opportunity may be knocking for some. You never know. I'm sure that their HR department would love to hear from some companies looking to hire people with mechanical aptitude. So this past week was really great. I I heard from a number of you faithful followers with email questions about the rental business. So today I'm having a Q&A session based on questions submitted. Today's call-in number, if you have any comments or thoughts, is 1-866-472-5790. Again, that number is 1-866-472-5790. So, here we go. Uh, First question is from Bobby. Can re-rents or sub-rents be profitable? Well, my immediate answer is yes, definitely. Uh, And there are a number of things to consider in this situation. Number one, what the equipment is. Be careful with equipment that is high maintenance and is susceptible to breakdowns. You don't want that happening. Number two, the rental rate. How much more can you charge over the price you have to pay to make the rental? Is it 10, 15, or 20% over your supplier's rate? And will it fit in with your existing rate? Identify who's responsible for attending to service calls if you're sending someone else's equipment to your customer's job site. Remember, it's your reputation riding on someone else's equipment. And like anything else, it's about the margins you make on the renting of equipment, or excuse me, the re-renting of equipment. The basic idea in these situations is to keep your customer your customer and not give them the opportunity to even call 
someone else for the equipment, especially if it's a large order that you cannot fill. Say you need 10 scissor lifts and you only have six in the yard, you've got to sub-rent four to fill the order. Next, who's going to deliver it? Will you go to the supplier's yard to pick it up and bring it to your customer? You should. Why double up on transportation costs? Also, why send a competitor to your customer's job site? And there's also the issue of marketing identification. Will you replace the other rental company's decals with your own to protect your identity? I know many drivers keep a supply with them just for this purpose. Some magnetic, but beware the chargeback for the supplier charging you for replacing their decals if you happen to pull them off. It can cut into your margins as they will charge you back for them. Now, typically are low margin transactions, so be sure your customer is one that pays well so you don't pay extra finance charges from the supplier for late payments. And I've, I've seen a few companies that do lots of re-renting just because of capital constraints. Build a business with your contacts and someone else's investment and gradually secure your own equipment. It's not a bad concept if you have the customer base to put the iron out. And make sure you predetermine the rental period. Many, many times a customer will call something off rent and you may do the same thing with your supplier only to find out the customer is still using it when you arrive to pick it up. Remember, we're selling time out, not time used. And the clock is ticking from when you leave the supplier's yard to when you have it back. So the sooner you get it back, the better everyone is. I think everyone knows that there are large companies out there that can aid you in filling orders. Big Rents, for one, has done a great job of assisting rental companies fill orders as well as supplying rental equipment to contractors that might normally go underutilized by your firm. There's also Acme Lift, which specializes in aerial equipment and large air compressors, those high investment items. And they can give you equipment you may not normally stock for rental. And there are others. If you're on the supplying end, you can improve your utilization. If you're on the renting end, that is, you need it, just make sure it's not a loss leader and make money at it. In all cases, make sure insurance issues are handled first, like having a certificate of insurance with all parties involved in the event that something is damaged, destroyed, or stolen. Make sure that you know where the responsibility lies with someone else's equipment. And lastly, upon returning the equipment, save yourself some money by refueling and possibly cleaning the equipment so you won't be charged all the add-ons like damage waiver, fuel, cleaning, and pictures make a lot of sense in these situations that you can uh, have proof of the condition of the equipment before it may be returned to your supplier. The next email is from Nathan asking about ANSI again and the issue of buying new or used aerial equipment, and if they're impacted by ANSI's changing standards. Well, <laughs> this is probably one of the hottest topics in the industry today. Uh, I did a show not long ago at the Genie headquarters. Again, it's, it's, in my, it's my understanding that the new ANSI regulations, once they go into effect in 2020, that all mobile equipment work platforms purchased prior to that date, be they new or used, are grandfathered in and are not affected by the new standards. That show aired uh, October the 2nd of this year. If you want to go back to that podcast and hear it directly from the Genie representative. But as always, when in doubt, check with the manufacturer or supplier, whether new or used to make sure it's an important question to ask. And just recently in November's Rental Management Magazine, James Waite, who I think you all know by now is the best legal mind in the industry, did a great article on just this subject. It was also on his LinkedIn website, uh, that is by James. 
Becky Schultz also did a piece in Equipment Today. And Jeannie also has done a podcast on the subject. So it's really getting tons of attention. And there's a few notes that I want to make from James's article. Uh, number one, the initial date of December was moved to March 2020 due to appeals by the American Rental Association and other appellants. And so there's new classifications. I'm just going to kind of pick a few pieces from James's article from the rental management uh, just to give you some, some highlights. So new classifications under the new standards will be classified by groups. And one group will be vertical, and the second group will be booms. There's also going to be by types. And the categories are static, mobile, meaning controlling on the chassis, and mobile, controlling on the platform. The new safe use and training requirements will be particularly important. The new standards also make broad changes to safety and training procedures and their administration. The requirements now are organized by task rather than by a responsible party, meaning that a given user operator must review its responsibilities with respect to each such task rather than referring to a single defined statement of that party's responsibilities. James Waite also strongly suggests that you review and update your rental contract. Your contract must address these specific issues. James specializes in this area of contracts. This is a subject that must be treated very delicately and properly if you're renting this type of equipment. And don't forget about the training issues attached to all this. This alone could become a nice income stream for you if you charge for such training. We could talk about this all day, but we probably need to move on. So if you'd like a copy of James's article, let me know. I'd be glad to send you a copy of it along the way. Uh, enough about ANSI for this moment. So uh, at this point, let's take a quick break and go back to Voice America. Thank you. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Genie Z60-37FE Boom Lift is at the forefront of true hybrid technology. It is actually two machines in one that can be used for both indoor and outdoor applications. The Genie difference is a lower cost of operation and cleaner performance. The Genie 60-37FE Boom Lift is more fuel efficient, driven by high-efficiency AC motors, which means lower emissions too. Check out the Genie FE difference today. Visit GenieLift.com. Genie Genuine Parts undergo testing on long-term durability and reliability, which means higher equipment resale values and warranties for you. You don't want to waste time and money on generic parts or even counterfeit parts, especially in the long run. Genie Genuine Parts are factory fitted and field tested to the highest of standards, which means more machine uptime. We also have free ground freight on orders of $750 or more from our two parts warehouses. Go to genielift.com to find out more. Have you tried the new generation of Genie XC Booms? The XC stands for extra capacity, and with new technology in the design, the Genie XC Booms carry a higher load with dual capacity capability, compliant to global industry standards. Save time while you increase productivity. The new Genie XC Booms are common in design, parts, and accessories for easier servicing. For more information about the Genie family of XC Boom Lifts, visit genielift.com. That's genielift.com. Genie Aerial Pros is one of the most comprehensive industry websites focused on safety and standards, service, and new products and applications. The Genie Aerial Pros site features experts in aerial and rental markets with five decades of experience and shared knowledge. You'll also get information on upcoming industry and company events, videos, training, and more. The Genie Aerial Pros website is available on a wide variety of platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, or through our own website at genielift.com. 
The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. This is Rental Equipped Talk Radio with Donald Charbonnet. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to rentalequipedtalkradio at gmail.com. That's rentalequipedtalkradio at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. And welcome back. And uh, this morning we are talking about, we have been talking about some emails that have come in. And we talked about the, uh, the profitability of re-renting or sub-renting equipment. We also talked about uh, some of the ANSI uh, standards that are changing along the way and whether or not uh, it's okay to buy used equipment or even new equipment up until the date that the standards go into effect. And so now we've got, uh, before I go on to this next question, if there are any manufacturers out there listening, uh, you may consider a podcast before the ARA show. I've got a schedule that's filling up. So if you're interested in doing that to tell the attendees more about your products and invite them to your booth, please let me know. So another email, and this is from James. It's a double question. When is your rental store ready to hire an outside salesperson and tips for managing your sales territory for outside rental salespeople? These are great questions. Uh, First, when is your store ready to hire an outside salesperson? And when I think about this, a number of issues pop up. Number one, what is your level of inventory? Number two, what is your product mix? Three, who is your competition? And four, what is your typical customer makeup? You know, in, in many cases, if you're a general tool rental operation without any high dollar investment items, you may not need an outside salesperson. Our company went for years without uh, having anybody outside because we were a general tool rental house at the time. But if you have a depth of inventory, be it air compressors, welders, aerial equipment, or the like, uh, or want to move in those directions, you definitely need someone to go out and promote your company and its inventory availability. Sometimes customers can not, not exactly force you, but direct you into a broader, heavier line of equipment if you have such a relationship with them, and they're telling you, you know, if you carried X, we could do more business together. So then you've got some considerations to make and see if you can keep that customer by satisfying all his equipment needs. If you're in a super competitive environment, you definitely should have a salesperson on the road promoting your company and products. The nationals or regional companies are already out there fighting for that business. So you know what? You might as well get in the fray and go after it. Just be sure to set some lows and highs as to where your rates will and can be. It's a lot easier if the salesperson can make the decision on the spot instead of telling the customer, oh, let me check with my boss on that or let me check with my sales manager on that and see if we can get that rate, get you to that rate. And obviously the length of the rental and the quantity always makes sense to consider. And you know, sometimes it just takes a little luck and timing to stumble on a project manager that may be tired of the poor service they may have been receiving from their current supplier. And so you get a chance, a small window of opportunity to show what you can do. Don't blow that chance. Sometimes, again, it's luck and timing, but if you don't try, you'll never know. And again, the outside salespeople should be armed with the ability to make quick decisions regarding pricing and know the depth of your fleet for times when a customer may need a quantity of items. And this sometimes gets back to the issue of re-renting to fill orders. It's very, very common in today's market. So again, do you have the fleet that needs someone to go out and promote it? If so, go for it. Now, managing those salespeople, it's a whole different subject. 
There's so many different ways out there today to manage a sales force, probably too many to count. The key words are CRM, Customer Relations Management, and all the software programs that are out there. So here's my question. Who's going to look at these weekly reports and do anything about it? Or do anything about them and the activity that has taken place? Is it the sales manager's responsibility? Is it the branch manager's responsibility? I've seen so many different types of reports, too many to count, and it's no secret that salespeople typically hate filling out reports. And if I'm wrong, call me, 1-866-472-5790. Now, keep in mind that the managing of customers can and should be a primary focus of any salesperson, especially in today's competitive market. So, a record of when you saw them last and what was discussed is really important. You know, topics like uh, issues on the job, uh, what's the next uh, type of equipment that's needed for the progression of the job, service comments, has there been any service calls to the job site? And you should always know this in advance before you get there and react and know more before the project manager has to tell you about it, about that compressor went down, it took you a day to get it out here. You should be ahead of that game, knowing in constant contact with the service department and notified of any service call that goes to one of your customers. Issues about the customer's family. What sports teams do they follow? What hobbies, hunting, golf, etc., and what jobs are coming up? But as always, first, always ask, is this a good time for me to talk with you? They may be hooked up and just, you might be the fourth salesperson in there. So give them a break and ask them if it's a convenient time for you to, uh, to be there with them. Always, of course, in the event of turnover, the company owns all the information about the customer. All these things are more reasons that companies require salespeople to do CRM programs. Having been in a number of companies or with a number of companies, uh, from a sales manager to CEO, I'm amazed that the contractor-salesman relationship is often stronger than the contractor-company relationship is. So typically, a customer will follow the salesman rather than the poor guy who's been putting up the investment in the capital to give them the equipment that they need. And there are other issues companies need to decide too. You know, like, uh, will the salesperson have a specific territory or boundaries, so to speak? If <laughs> I've seen this in where it works against the company because someone has a relationship with a project manager outside of their territory and they're not allowed to cross the line. Wake up, folks. Whatever works for the company is what's right. Or are you assigned to a specific type of customer that needs a specific type of equipment that you have a narrow focus on? And then there's the assigned account system, wherein the company gives you certain accounts you're in charge of wherever they are, most importantly, where their jobs are. It's not uncommon to have an assigned account with one contractor with five different jobs going on all over the place. So you've got to, you may have to cross those territory lines, so to speak, to get the business. One thing to always remember, and a great reason for having management over salespeople, are they being effective and successful with that customer? Those are the measurement tools that you really need to know. You've all witnessed when a salesperson calls and calls on someone that they just can't seem to break the ice. It could be something as simple as a personality conflict that no one realizes. That's the time for the company to take action and assign the account to someone else to see if they can make some headway. Hey, you know, the project manager may just be a jerk or have a brother-in-law with another company. 
There are tons of reasons you may have to change and take a different strategy. But if you don't recognize that there's no success and make a change and have a strategy to make it right or attempt to get the business, you won't go anywhere. So sometimes those calls, it might take five calls before you even get a chance to talk with the customer. And I think I think the donut industry owes the rental business a huge depth of gratitude for all the donuts that have been brought up over the years. So these are just some of the reasons sales reports need to be managed. I've seen written reports that have been pencil whipped to the point I could tell where that salesman was going on their next call a week ahead of time. That's just one of the things <laughs> that, that happens. Uh, it's more electronic these days. I've seen some companies with no reporting and just judge their salesmen by their performance. If their rental revenue numbers are good, let them run. That's why outside salespeople should be on commission. Let them work for their wallets, and you shouldn't have to micromanage them. I hope I answered this that question without beating it to death. Uh, I do know this, that salespeople typically hate to be micromanaged, and I'm going to talk about micromanaging a little bit later in the show, but we've talked about do you need one, and we've talked about how do you manage them, and it's really up to the size of the organization. Uh, They've got new people entering the industry all the time. I see on LinkedIn, just got a new job with uh, X Rentals. Uh, Always want to wish those folks good luck for entering uh, a new industry. I think that they'll find it very rewarding if you get out there and meet the customers, as an old buddy of mine used to say, belly to belly. And uh, developing those relationships, if you have an outside salesperson, or if you are an outside salesperson, I don't have to tell you. You know that the most important thing you can do is to win that guy's business is by getting a comfortable relationship with them, by knowing them better, caring about their project and their company, and the success that that, uh, you can help them with by being so-called partner with them in a in a project where your equipment is needed all over the place. So uh, with that, I think uh, I beat that, that horse pretty good. And so uh, if you have any other questions, you can feel free to email me along the way of anything relative to sales and sales management. I'd love to hear from you folks about what's going on in your world. So rental equip talk radio at gmail.com with that let's take a quick break and go back to voice america thank you think you've seen everything there is to see in online television let us surprise you visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports health business and more on demand 24 7 the Genie Z60 37 FE Boom Lift is at the forefront of true hybrid technology. It is actually two machines in one that can be used for both indoor and outdoor applications. The Genie difference is a lower cost of operation and cleaner performance. The Genie 60 37 FE Boom Lift is more fuel efficient, driven by high efficiency AC motors, which means lower emissions too. Check out the Genie FE difference today. Visit genielift.com. Genie Aerial Pros is one of the most comprehensive industry websites focused on safety and standards, service, and new products and applications. The Genie Aerial Pros site features experts in aerial and rental markets with five decades of experience and shared knowledge. You'll also get information on upcoming industry and company events, videos, training, and more. The Genie Aerial Pros website is available on a wide variety of platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, or through our own website at genielift.com. Genie Genuine Parts undergo testing on long-term durability and reliability, which means higher equipment resale values and warranties for you. You don't want to waste time and money on generic parts or even counterfeit parts, especially in the long run. Genie Genuine Parts are factory fitted and field tested to the highest of standards, which means more machine uptime. We also have free ground freight on orders of $750 or more from our two parts warehouses. Go to genielift.com to find out more. 
Have you tried the new generation of Genie XC Booms? The XC stands for extra capacity, and with new technology in the design, the Genie XC Booms carry a higher load with dual capacity capability, compliant to global industry standards. Save time while you increase productivity. The new Genie XC Booms are common in design, parts, and accessories for easier servicing. For more information about the Genie family of XC Boom lifts, visit genielift.com. That's genielift.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is Rental Equip Talk Radio with Donald Charbonnet. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to rentalequiptalkradio at gmail.com. That's rentalequiptalkradio at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. And welcome back. And uh, today we've been uh, answering some emails that came in over the Thanksgiving holidays. We've talked about uh, re-renting equipment and the possibility of that being a viable source uh, of profitability for you. We also talked about whether or not you need a salesman and ways of managing them. And we've always have talked about the ANSI standards that are changing. And again, there's uh, some great articles out there right now that I can I can send you if you'd like, if you missed that part of the show. <clears throat> My next email is from Eddie. Uh, without getting into all the details, he said, My customer altered my equipment and caused serious damage to it. So, Eddie, a, a couple of things. Uh, first, documentation of the damages and a write-up of the entire situation in the event of a lawsuit gets filed, especially if they won't pay for the damages. So, do you have a light product that you can document that what they did was different from the way the equipment went out? And obviously, this is an internal alteration, so it's not something that you would typically have a picture of. But you can always uh, go back to a 185 compressor, for example, go back to one of your other units and take pictures of the way that the standard is. Uh, Was anyone hurt? Uh, What's the extent of the damage? And was it altered because it was in the field and they had no alternative but to rig it up, so to speak? Or did they alert you in advance that they would be making such an alteration because of the activity with the equipment? And was approval given. All these facts, you know, as, as menial as they may sound, could be important down the road if somebody says that they had to do something because the company wouldn't respond. Uh, did they have damage waiver or have they provided you with a COI? Uh, if they gave you a COI, you should bill them back for all damages. And then it's up to them whether to make a claim with their insurance company. If they had damage waiver, it really should be voided as they altered the equipment, and you should bill them for damages, whether they paid the damage waiver or not. And mainly, be sure to correct the the alteration back to the manufacturer's spec for future rentals. So I hope that helps a little bit uh, with that. And here's another email from Tommy. Seems like we're overwhelmed with electronics for our equipment. How do I know which way to go? Well, first, I'm no Einstein, so I wouldn't dare direct one over the other, quite frankly. I I will tell you that Michael Roth with the RER magazine did a great story in their October issue entitled 50 Tips for Your Software and Telematics. And remember again that the ARA will have a host of suppliers for both software, and telematics that you can visit with personally and see it in real time. So I'd like to talk a little bit uh, in Michael's from the editor page. Uh, he really says it says it best. So a lot of this is quotes from Michael because he's right on top of this as he is on everything else in the industry. Uh, and it's entitled Finding Your Technology Roadmap. So he says, It's exciting to see so much interest in technology in the rental industry. Technology is evolving faster and faster. Increasingly, manufacturers are jumping on board 
and installing telematic systems in their equipment. Some manufacturers are offering these systems for a premium. Others are making it available for everybody. And it's all to the good. There are third-party systems out there that are good. There are many ways to evolve technology. Rental companies are adopting telematic systems in different ways to varying degrees. He goes on to say that there is no external roadmap for what to do about evolving technology. Each business must decide for itself. And Michael ends his editorial by stating, inaction by paralysis and indecision has its drawbacks as well. And letting competitors get the jump on you technologically is not to your benefit, end quote. So if you haven't seen that issue of the RER, you really need to get in touch with it to help you do your research to go in the right direction. So thanks to all that submitted emails. I hope some of these answered helped. Uh, and if you have any more questions, don't hesitate to shoot me an email. So I want to go now onto a subject that I believe many people experience. And I mentioned this earlier in the show. Are you being micromanaged? And if so, let's talk about how to manage your relationship with your manager instead. We all know that being micromanaged sucks. It's a major complaint people have with their managers. You feel demotivated and undervalued, and it inhibits your own learning. As a manager of managers, micromanaging is one of the most common early mistakes new managers make. But that's from the perspective of the manager. As a report, or let's just say a salesperson, just to pick that position, you could just blame your manager. Or you could take an extreme ownership approach and actually fix the situation. So let's talk through how to do that. You've got to diagnose the situation. Usually, micromanaging stems from a mix of the following reasons. Your manager is unaware that they're doing it. This is especially true for new managers. Ironically, smart, driven managers who were successful individual contributors, sometimes called ICs, tend to have this issue more frequently. But very few managers actually want to make your life miserable. For instance, maybe in a meeting, rather than letting you answer a question fielded from someone else, they just speak up because they know the answer themselves. They didn't intend to make you feel bad by doing so. So your manager is afraid of failure. A lot of new managers suffer from imposter syndrome. They don't know how to measure their managerial outcome as it involves new types of tasks with less concrete tasks and outcomes. Did I make the right decision? Is my team happy? Then their individual contributors work. Did I implement that system I said I would implement in the time I committed to? So they fall back to doing IC work because it's measurable and easier for them to do. The problem is, it's your IC work. They implement that feature that you said would implement in the time you committed to do it. Your manager is prioritizing the team's short-term execution rather than your long-term growth and development. Maybe your manager can fix that bug faster than you can. Fixing bugs quickly is good, right? But even though it may have taken you longer, you would have actually learned something given the chance to do it. Your manager may or may not have a good reason to prioritize short-term execution. Occasionally, though infrequently, it's the right thing to do. A mismatch in expectation between what you think you can accomplish and what your manager thinks you can accomplish is another reason. This one is more serious, but it's still usually addressable. Often, it's not that your manager lacks confidence in you. 
It might just be a mismatch of expectations between what you think you can accomplish and what your manager thinks you can accomplish. And I've seen this before with salespeople where the manager says, sales manager may say, you know, how come you can't land that account? And, you know, you're busting your butt to do it and they think they can do it better. Get them to ride along with you. Or it could be a mismatch of how comfortable you are being challenged. You want to be more challenged, but your manager is unaware. So where do you go from here? You might look at the above list and point out, well, that's all great, but most of your reasons start with your manager. What can I do about it? So keep in mind that you are an equal contributor to your relationship with your manager. They should hold themselves accountable to you, and you should hold them accountable to you as well. I'm not exonerating your manager. I'm just saying you can help fix the situation. It's also possible that your manager has deeper issues. They may have several control or authority issues. In fact, if you Google around for how to deal with a micromanager, a lot of articles and discussions assume that's the case. We often jump to that conclusion because it removes any blame from us. And admittedly, it sometimes is true. But I think it's worth giving your manager the benefit of the doubt and trying to work through things. These are just some of the issues that come up when you feel you're being micromanaged and possibly a way to turn things around to work with and alert them to the fact. Uh, I know sometimes you'd like to say, get off my back, so to speak. But uh, everybody's got a job to do. And if the manager feels like they're doing it, then you got to comply because guess what? They're the manager and they have the authority to make those decisions. So before we go on too much further with the micromanagement, let's take our last break of the day before we start the last segment. And we'll start off with start the conversation and back to you, Voice America. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Genie Aerial Pros is one of the most comprehensive industry websites focused on safety and standards, service, and new products and applications. The Genie Aerial Pros site features experts in aerial and rental markets with five decades of experience and shared knowledge. You'll also get information on upcoming industry and company events, videos, training, and more. The Genie Aerial Pros website is available on a wide variety of platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, or through our own website at genielift.com. Genie Genuine Parts undergo testing on long-term durability and reliability, which means higher equipment resale values and warranties for you. You don't want to waste time and money on generic parts or even counterfeit parts, especially in the long run. Genie Genuine Parts are factory fitted and field tested to the highest of standards, which means more machine uptime. We also have free ground freight on orders of $750 or more from our two parts warehouses. Go to genielift.com to find out more. Have you tried the new generation of Genie XC Booms? The XC stands for extra capacity, and with new technology in the design, the Genie XC Booms carry a higher load with dual capacity capability, compliant to global industry standards. Save time while you increase productivity. The new Genie XC Booms are common in design, parts, and accessories for easier servicing. For more information about the Genie family of XC Boom lifts, visit genielift.com. That's genielift.com. The Genie Z60 37FE Boom Lift is at the forefront of true hybrid technology. It is actually two machines in one that can be used for both indoor and outdoor applications. The Genie difference is a lower cost of operation and cleaner performance. The Genie 60 37FE Boom Lift is more fuel efficient, driven by high efficiency AC motors, which means lower emissions too. Check out the Genie FE difference today. Visit genielift.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
This is Rental Equip Talk Radio with Donald Charbonnet. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to rentalequiptalkradio at gmail.com. That's rentalequiptalkradio at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. And welcome back. And we're talking about, are you being micromanaged? And if so, let's talk about how to manage your relationship with your manager instead. So you got to start the conversation. A good place to start is trying to figure out whether your manager is even aware of the effects of their actions. It's important that you can give your manager that sort of feedback. And this is difficult, especially if you're not used to giving your manager feedback. But it's the first step in diagnosing and fixing the situation. There's also the concept of SBI, which is Situation Behavior Impact, uh, which looks something like this. Sounds like this. Quote, in yesterday's meeting with our rental manager, which is the situation, you answered a question about my work behavior, which made me feel like you don't trust me to speak for myself. Impact. Or, I realized I was struggling a little bit to fix bug X situation, but when you stepped in and fixed it yourself, behavior, I felt like I missed a valuable learning opportunity. Impact. These are difficult conversations, and people have written great books about how to, how to best have them, but, but note that the situation and behavior are what happened conversations, and the impact is a feeling conversation. If you're really self-aware and comfortable with your manager, you can add an identity piece to the impact, something like, I feel like you don't trust me feeling, and that made me question my ability to communicate well in the meetings which I've always been insecure about, identity. These statements are a good place to start. Notice that they're specific, which makes them easier to discuss. They're not accusatory, and they don't assume your manager's intentions. And they are on your side of the net. You're entitled to your feelings. One of three things may happen at this point. If your manager acknowledges your feelings, presents their side of the story, and you two have a healthy conversation, then congrats. Bonus points to your manager if they ask you to keep surfacing whenever this happens. Another, if your manager reacts very negatively, get defensive or refuses to acknowledge your point of view. If your manager cannot empathize with your point of view, this is not a healthy reaction, and you will probably struggle to work things out in both the short and long term. Depending on your situation, you could consider a manager or job switch or figuring out how to survive if you must. And next, and this is most likely scenario, you have a good conversation, but it's a little uncomfortable and it surfaces other issues. Your manager shows empathy and sincere commitment to improve the situation, but there are probably deeper things to work. So you got to continue the conversation. Usually that's just a start. But improving the situation will take effort from both you and your manager. It might be really hard to talk directly about some of the root causes I mentioned above, but here are some of the things you can do and say to help. Like, I know I've never led a project before, but I'd like to learn how. Can you let me try? We can check in weekly, and I'll let you know if I feel like I'm in over my head. This lets your manager know you want to do more, be more challenged, and that you let them know if things get overwhelming. The upfront agreement about when check-ins are okay also makes them less awkward. You both know that checking in is part of the agreement, rather than your manager being concerned about what's going on. I'd like to improve my ability to speak in large meetings. Can you help me? They know... They now know this is a skill you want to work on and should hopefully be more mindful when they're taking actions that are preventing you from learning that skill. Or, thanks for stepping in to help fix that bug yesterday, but in the future, I'd love to be able to figure things out myself. What do you think it would take to get me there? Or, I think I've got this. Sometimes just showing a little confidence in yourself goes a long way. You may have been selling yourself short. But it's not easy. 
Hopefully, using some of these steps, you'll be able to make good progress with your manager in a way that not only helps you with your career and growth, but also provides usable feedback and direction to your manager so they can also continue to grow. As a manager myself, I've learned to really value this type of feedback since it's not only helps me improve my effectiveness, it enables me to help my team have more impact. None of this should make you feel like a negative outcome is entirely upon your head. It's definitely not. Your manager carries the brunt of the responsibility for your relationship. And finally, go into this with some patience for yourself, for your manager, and for the relationship you're working on improving. Try to assume positive intent whenever you can. Remember that most of the time, the micromanagement isn't about you and a fault that your manager may think they see in you. Rather, it's often about something that is a little bit more complex and involves their frame of mind too. Help your manager, help you, and best of luck. And in closing, as always, if you want to reach me, rentalequiptalkradio at gmail.com, or you can call or text me at 504-615-0540. And I think most of you know that you can listen on demand as most of the audience listens to the podcast. And I hope some of the issues discussed today either helped or provoked more questions for the success of your business. Uh, things change weekly. And so next week, we're going to have more discussions in and around the industry. Uh, don't forget about my book on Amazon, Screw You, The Comeback is Always Stronger Than the Setback. Christmas is only 20 days away. What a great gift to give. If you'd like to be a guest, suggest a guest, advertise, or have a question, just let me know. And don't forget about WGLconsulting.com when you have an uh, issue that you might want some representation in your company. And my quote today is this, success means having the courage, the determination, and the will to become the person you believe you were meant to be. So said George A. Sheehan. There's a lot of quotes, and if you have one, I'd love for you to send it to me so I could broadcast it on the show. Uh, always looking for input from the outside. This show is about you and for you and by you. So, uh, and I don't mean uh, the bayous in South Louisiana. So, uh, as always, it's been my honor to spend this time with you. I'm Donald Charbonnet. I'm your host and the diehard of the rental industry, signing off. And remember that it's service that wins and keeps the business. It's not always the rate that gets you there. So with that, I'm signing off and saying be safe, good renting, and have a great week. Back to you. Thank you for tuning in to Rental Equip Talk Radio. Be sure to join your host, Donald Charbonnet, next Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, have a great week.